For more information on Ancient Dragon Zen Gate, please visit our website at www.ancientdragon.org. Our teachings are offered to the community through the generosity of our supporters. To make a donation online, please visit our website. The unsurpassed, profound, and wondrous Dharma is rarely met with, even in a hundred thousand million kalpas. Now I can see and hear it, accept and maintain it. May I unfold the meaning of the Tathagata's truth. So welcome everybody online and in the room. Um, As Dylan already stated, we're doing a hybrid online and in-person session. So this is very exciting as we move into the new era. Um, oftentimes, when Tigan's kind enough to invite me to do a Dharma talk, I'll usually talk about either anything I'm looking at or anything that I might be practicing with. But over the last month or so, there hasn't been anything pressing. So when there isn't anything pressing, uh, about a year ago, I said, you know what I'm going to do when that happens? I've been going through this series of stories called the transmission of light or sometimes called transmission of the lamp which are stories of the buddha passing the teachings to kashyapa then to ananda and then so on and so forth all the way um, through a succession of teachers uh, this it's a collection of 53 enlightenment stories and it encompasses 1600 years um, so it goes from Shakyamuni Buddha through India, going through China, ending up in Japan with Dogen and Ijo. Dogen is the founder of the Soto Zen lineage that we're part of. And then um, it also goes through to his successor, who is named Ijo. So I'm always fascinated by the idea of Dharma transmission. So what this book covers is the stories around the Dharma transmission of all those different teachers. And this book was compiled by a successor of Ijo's, who was named Keizan. And Keizan was also well known in Japan for for spreading Buddhist practice throughout Japan um, from top to bottom. So I've been looking at this. And I've been getting very far through the book. So what I wanted to talk about, or who I wanted to talk about today, is the third successor, Ananda. (laughs) As you can see, I've gotten very far. (laughs) So I have about 50 more to go. (laughs) Um, Most of us know the story of when the Buddha transmitted the the eye of the Dharma to Kashyapa. Kashyapa was a disciple of the Buddha. And the story says that when the Buddha was ready to leave this human realm, he wanted to confer 
the mind seal onto a successor. And what he did in front of all his disciples is he picked up a lotus flower and blinked and Kashyapa smiled. And when that happened, the Buddha entrusted the teachings to Maha Kashyapa. And he said, I have the treasury eye of the truth, the inexpressible mind of Nirvana, and this I entrust to you, meaning to Kashyapa. So that was number two. Ananda is the number three person. Now, Ananda was a attendant of the Buddha for 20 years. So in a way, he was his right-hand man. He was with him all the time. He's also known as somebody who is really good at hearing something and being able to repeat it right away. So he literally was a storehouse of the Buddha's teachings. But when Kashyapa received the mind seal or the transmission from Shakyamuni Buddha, the Buddha asked Ananda if he would continue to attend to Kashyapa. So mind you, Ananda attended to the Buddha for 20 years. Everybody knew he was very good at learning the stories, and he was a, a scholastic warehouse of the teachings. But yet, at this point, the Buddha did not entrust him with the Dharma eye, the treasury, the, the heart of the teachings. He entrusted it to Kashyapa, and at the same time, made a request that Ananda continue to serve as an attendant to Kashyapa. So what does that mean? I don't know. That's why it's fun to read the stories, right? And kind of let that bounce around a little bit. So we could say that the teachings flowed into Ananda, but he was not the Dharma heir for some reason. So Ananda was able to recite the teachings. He was able, uh, let me go to the text way. I'm getting ahead of myself because there's something very cool before this happens. Okay. So after the Buddha leaves the human realm, Kashyapa knows that he has to get all the disciples together so that they can figure out exactly what they want to present as far as the teachings go. So he gets a group of guys together in a big room, about 500 of the Buddha's most realized disciples, most realized disciples, not necessarily enlightened, but realized. So they all get together. And the question is, well, why isn't Ananda here? Because Ananda actually knows the stories pretty well. So we should actually have Ananda come in. But the disciples have said, you know, Ananda was the Buddha's attendant. So he had heard a lot and studied widely, and in very, in very many ways, it's like a cup of water being poured into another cup without spilling anything. So we need to ask Ananda to come in the room and recite the teachings for us. But Kashyapa knew that Ananda didn't have the enlightened, fertile ground in the mind at that time. But he's like, all right, well... Ananda, we want to have you come in and recite the teachings. But first, you have to display some kind of super normal abilities before we're going to let you in. So then Ananda's like, okay, all right, fine. But he knew I really need to meditate, you know, because, 
you know, obviously something's a little off here. So he goes and he meditates very intensely and intensely and intensely. And then when he was ready, he had a little realization. When he was ready, he went into the room by making himself very small and going through the keyhole. Okay. So if that's not impressive, I don't know what is, right? So once he got in there by demonstrating this amazing paranormal happenstance, Kashyapa said to Ananda, well, everyone is looking to you to recite the same. Now, Ananda, now here, this is, I feel this is important, okay? The Ananda kept the bequest of the Buddha within him to be able to recite teachings. And now he also received the request of Kashyapa to recite the teachings. So, so there, there seems to be an importance here about being asked, right? So he was asked a couple of times, and then he recited all the teachings that he heard over the Buddha's lifetime. Once that was done, Kashyapa said to the other disciples that were in that room, now, mind you, they were all considered realized because they all had a little bit of supernormal powers as well. But anyway, Kashyapa asked all of them in the room, is this any different from what the Buddha taught? And all of them in the room said, it is no different. So the, t the disciples in attendance were all great lohans or saints with all these great powers they developed from their meditative practice. They did not forget anything they had heard, but with one voice they said, wait, is this the Buddha's second coming or is this just Ananda talking? Because Ananda was able to repeat the teaching so well that in a way they weren't even sure if it was the Buddha or Ananda. They said the waters of the ocean of the Buddha's teaching have definitely flowed into Ananda. Now here's Kazan's commentary on that. So we know for certain this way does not depend on great learning or on the attainment of realization because this story should actually be proved. Because Ananda didn't receive the mind seal from the Buddha, Kashyapa did. So even though Ananda could recite all the teachings, even though Ananda meditated enough to develop some kind of mojo, woo-woo, supernatural powers like a lot of the other guys in that room, something still wasn't in fruition for him to really have received the Dharma eye. But what Kazan is pointing out is that whether you develop these wonderful, amazing abilities because you have some kind of realization, or whether you can recite the teachings and hear the teachings and recite them enough, there's something else that's there in Zen practice. There's something else. Each of those things are cool, but they're not the heart of the matter. They're not the heart of the matter. So now, Ananda didn't get enlightened until something else happened. 
So I'm going to tell you about that. It's a very small enlightenment story. But mind you, Ananda attended Kashyapa for 20 years before this happened. Okay, so we're 20 years now in the future. Or thousands of years in the past, depending on how you're looking at it. <laughs> anyway, Ananda asked Kashyapa, what did the Buddha hand on to you besides the golden-sleeved robe? Kashyapa said, Ananda. Ananda said, yes. Kashyapa said, take down the banner pole in front of the gate. And in that moment, Ananda was greatly enlightened. What? You got to love Zen, right? <laughs> but anyway, so let's talk about a couple of things in these four lines. The Buddha's robe or the gold sleeve robe or the akesa like I'm wearing here is considered a, a, a symbol of the Buddha's teachings. So when Ananda asked Kashyapa, what did the Buddha hand to you besides the golden sleeved robe? What did he hand to you besides all the teachings? Okay. Now, Kazan talks a little bit about this take down the banner pole in front of the gate. So, because that's like, what does that have to do with anything? So, Kazan explains in India at that time, you know, there was obviously a lot of religious practice, a lot of philosophical debate, even as, as what we know as Buddhism was coming up and be, becoming something. So, if two schools of thought wanted to debate, there would be a banner pole in front of the area or the temple. There really wasn't temples at the time, but the area. And let's say two schools of thought or religion or philosophy come together. One side that believed one thing would hang a banner. And the other side that was going to debate with this side would hang a banner. They would debate. Other people would, you know, witness it, hear the debate. And then there would be kind of a decision on who won the argument, the debate. You know, it's not like yelling at each other like we do nowadays. It actually is a philosophical and, and um, debate. So whoever won, the banner would stay up. And whoever was considered the loser of that debate, the banner would come down. So Kazan feels what this means is it could be misconstrued. It could mean... Now, notice when we, when we chanted the sutra opening verse, we, we talked about the Tathagata. So sometimes the Buddha is also referred, and many Buddhas, it doesn't matter only Shakyamuni Buddha, but other Buddhas as well, are referred to as the Tathagata. And that usually translates as someone who is coming and going, or somebody who appears and disappears. So Kazan is arguing that we could say that maybe that's what it means, that there are two banners there. Kashyapa felt Ananda was enlightened now. So one teacher is disappearing, one banner comes down, and the other banner stays up. So he was arguing that that is possibly, based on what you know about India now, is possibly what might be going on there. But he argues, according to his practice and what he understands, that's not it. 
And he's saying that people could consider that's what it is, but he doesn't feel, Kazan doesn't feel, that's what's being said here. That's what's being brought forward. So let me read this again. Ananda asked Kasyapa, what did the Buddha hand on to you besides the golden sleeved robe? Kasyapa said, Ananda. Ananda said, yes. Kashyapa said, take down the banner pole in front of the gate. And at that moment, Ananda was greatly enlightened. Kazan argues in this circumstance, the taking down of the banner pole is taking down the pole completely, completely. Nothing's there anymore. And he said, he feels this is what it means. It's because in that moment when Ananda was enlightened, Ananda realized the communion of the path between student and teacher. Ananda asked Kashyapa, what did the Buddha hand on to you besides the golden sleeved robe? Kashyapa said, Ananda. Ananda said, yes. Kashyapa said, take down the banner pole in front of the gate. Ananda was greatly enlightened. So I want to leave you with some of Kazan's encouragement to us in our practice. Kazan says, you should also realize that the way of enlightenment is not easy. When Ananda, who was versed in the sacred teachings of the Buddha's whole lifetime, propagated them as a disciple of Buddha, who would not go along? Nevertheless, you should know he attended Kashyapa and again propagated the teachings after his, his great enlightenment, after Ananda's great enlightenment. He continued to teach. It was like fire joining fire. If you want to reach the true path clearly, you should give up your idea of self, your old feelings of conceit and self-importance, and return to the pristine inspired mind to comprehend enlightened knowledge. As for the incident in Ananda's enlightenment story, and the thought that Kashyapa had received the golden sleeve vestment and was a disciple of Buddha, and that there was nothing special other than that, nevertheless, after following Kashyapa and attending him closely, Ananda finally realized that Kashyapa had come to realize something more. Like a valley spirit echoing in response to a call, Ananda replied immediately, like a spark issuing from a flint. Although Kashyapa called Ananda, he was not calling Ananda. And Ananda did not echo in reply. And not to be outdone, 
Kason does leave us a little verse to further contemplate his point of this teaching story. So I'm also going to end this talk with Kason's verse about what this means. The vines withered, the trees fallen, the mountains crumble away. The valley stream swells in a torrent. Sparks fly from stone. So I'm going to end the talk right there with Kazan's words. Now, since we're doing fashing, we'll have a little bit of Q&A, mostly for the people who are attending the public program online, because you will not have an opportunity for discussion later, as will those of us doing the sashim. So if anyone has any questions, um, but I am going to defer first to the people online and see if they have anything. And everyone online, I'm going to disconnect the headset now so everyone in the room can hear you. Um, I do think you'll be able to hear me fine, but there's probably going to be a little bit of an echo in the room. But that seems appropriate to the story. Sure. So, um, I, I, I'm Deborah. I'm online. I'm not sure if anyone else is online with me. <laughs> Thank you so much for your Dharma talk. I found it uh, very relevant because as I sat today, I was struck by, I've practiced many years, and I was just struck by the generosity of the practice. And when I heard your Dharma talk, it, it just resonated with this sense of deep sense of no self and that um, as Ananda served the Buddha and then the next fellow, he continued to connect to that deep, deeper sense. And I feel he, he, you know, he was empty. So that's, I really appreciated that. It really resonated with me. So that, that is my, it's not necessarily a question, but it, it's what arose for me. Thank you, Deborah. Thank you. I think Zen, Zen, you. Yes. Hi, Zen, you. Zen, you. Um, can you hear me? Go ahead, Zen, you. Um, I would just like to say that Ananda's yes is echoed through the through the eons. And that it is still the most important answer to any question, is certainly in Japan, and I suspect throughout Asia, that yes, that yes is really the answer to every question. And it's a yes of, I am here, I am I'm available with no, with no agenda, I am, I am at your service. Um, it's, it, it gets you through every, every situation, and if you were... If you were wandering, wandering in Japan, especially, 
that's the only thing you need to know is 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 yes. It's still it's still the, the it's still respected as the as the as the as the correct answer to all questions. Thank you, Zenyu. And in our lineage, the founder of this lineage in the United States was Shunru Suzuki. And through his teachings, there's many, many examples of him stressing the importance of just saying yes. And I, I actually was looking to try and pull something, but there's really so many, even embedded within another teaching, where, where he'll say, just say yes. Or there's anecdotes of other students that maybe had complained to him or asked him about something, and he would say, just say yes. So that's a very important repetitive line in our lineage. And I know I, I personally have found it to be a wonderful model. Just say yes. <laughs> Well, I'll open it up a little bit to the people in the room. If there's anybody in the room who would like to comment or have a question, feel free. Those of you online, if anyone still would like, if anything comes up for you, still definitely raise your hand and Dylan will flag me down. Case on uh, gave us a lot to sit with. Well, at this point, then, oh, there we go. Go ahead, Ruben. Hi, Ruben. For a second, I thought I'd save myself for myself by going too late, but no, here we are. Uh, thank you for your talk. I really love the United story. Um, the, the the my 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 hearing of becoming small, you know, humbling himself enough to walk in, and uh, I he was such a special guy, right? He was the, the Buddha's a, a attendant, and he had this amazing memory, and he was so special, and I can't imagine being him. And being passed over, oh, Makashapa got it. <laughs> he got the specialness. What happened? What? What? What am I missing? Um, what? What do I not have? And going to him and being like, "Hey, what's up, man?" <laughs> and 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 feeling all all of all of that he must he must have been feeling, and and um, where I would have been feeling, and uh, 
to then be yes, right in that moment. Just here's this person who's in front of me, who is who is who has who is, who is above me, who is somehow something different, and he says, "Stop fighting, Ananda." <laughs> and he just says, "Oh, okay." <laughs> like I love that. I love that. It really speaks to me very deeply. Um, that's all. I, that's all I had. Thank you, Ruben. There's, there's so much. There really is. There's so much in this story, and and we all have felt these kind of emotions at some point in our lives. You know, either wanting to please someone, being passed over by somebody, thinking that we have some kind of knowledge or some kind of ability that sets us apart. You know. Um, yeah, there's so much there for all of us, even in this modern world. You know, it's amazing to see how things change, but they stay the same. And how this is a very human story, even though it happened so many thousands of years ago. Um, but yeah, I, I love it a lot, too. Here's something else. Um, also, sometimes when things get difficult in practice, you learn how much you love it. And I love to say that over and over again. So anyone around me a lot will hear me say that a lot. But it's really true. So it's important that the bodhicitta, this this want, for lack of a better word, to practice, this intention to practice, this burning intention to practice, is awakened and understood and made aware of. And when things get difficult, we find that we have to practice even if they're difficult. So we can really become familiar with the bodhicitta. And that, that's a very, for, for me personally, that's a very important part of practice. And that goes back to the gratitude that Deborah was talking about and the generosity. Well, before we do the four bodhisattva vows, um, I wanted to open the floor. If there's any announcements, either from it's Brian. Okay, I'm sorry, Brian. Go ahead. Yeah, the, thank you so much, Paul. It's great to be with all of you there um, and everybody online. The, uh, the part of the story that uh, spoke to me was the instruction, as I understood it, uh, to Ananda to take down not just the banner, but the whole pole. And th- that was the moment where Ananda was awakened. Is that, is that correct? Yes. And, I, you know, I, I, what struck me is, is it, possible maybe to see that as a metaphor maybe this is what Kazan was saying as a uh, you know take down the whole enterprise of comparing dogma um, the, take down the whole enterprise of trying to figure this out I mean maybe maybe Ananda was caught up in some of those arguments for those 20 years I don't know um, but he seemed to have responded to the idea of uh, no more of that for you now 
and and then you know what 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 is there if you don't have that and, and maybe that's what ananda awakened to do you have any response to that um i feel that for us in western society we often ask that what is what is there if it's not that and that we often get lost in teachings and scholasticism and academia and you know um this goes back to really to the couple of Dharma talks a couple of weeks ago about work practice and being able to find the present moment within work, within doing, you know, and not letting things sit too much just, just here. But our society has evolved into, you know, a place of technology and letters and typing and texting. So it's very hard to even understand what that means to not exist just there. Because it seems like that's all we're doing these days is existing there. So, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Yes, I don't know. Go ahead, Paula, thank you for your talk and for leading the sitting uh, uh, at HealthKit today. Um, I'll just add in response to Brian that uh, uh, I see the story uh, kind of fundamentally in terms of Ananda taking down the flagpole, the banner and the flagpole is taking down his sense of self and self-promotion and self-contention and and uh, you know the the uh, the, the the people you in the assembly you were talking about were arhats who had were personally self awakened, um, but our our bodhisattva practices to uh, see quote unquote self as everything, and so to to stick up one's banner and you know. Uh, is uh, to be concerned with self. I, I think some of the comments are, and some of what you said uh, uh, include, included that, but that's kind of a fundamental message of that story for me. So thank you very much. Thank you, Titan. I vow to freedom, delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to win them, karma is promise. I vow to win Buddha's ways unsurpassable. I vow to realize it. Ah, 
Surpassable, I want to realize. 